listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel. Today we're going to talk about the design process. The design process. I know this is something you've been thinking a lot about in a, as you're interviewing and these online conversations. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to talk about this. I hope you are too. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to unpack here. Okay. So when we say design process, like that is a, a very large category to be talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's really everything that we do. <laughs> cool. It is. Yeah. And I, I think that there's a lot of maybe not maybe not misconceptions around the design process, but there's certainly a lot of misunderstandings. Okay. And why I say that is because it feels like, especially if you're like coming out of school or you're new to design, design, um, you know, career pathway that when someone says design process, you might start getting a little panicky. You might have, uh, some false beliefs about around it, or Mm. you might have some, just like a lack of experience might make you feel uncertainty around the topic. Yeah. And I think this comes up like when, when people are like, Oh, we want you to share your design process in an interview. And you're like, what does that mean? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Is it like, am I supposed to show like the IDEO design process or like the double diamond process? Or am I supposed to show how I've deviated from that? Um, and I bring up interviewing cause that seems to be like the test of process. Um, where it's sort of like a checkpoint and you know, do you know what you're doing to actually, you know, get a job to, to, to be a designer or be a different kind of designer or a designer of a different product? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah. I remember, I mean, anytime I've, I've interviewed, the question does come up, talk to us about your process. Yeah. Um, I have this vivid memory of when I was working at Facebook, I think my second year at Facebook where we had a new design manager come in. He was full of energy. He had asked a lot of good questions. And I remember one of the questions he asked every team member when he first sat down with us was, tell me about the design process here. Mm-hmm. And both that that experience and my experience interviewing, anytime anyone asks me that question, I freeze. So I've been designing for a very long time, right? Right. But when someone says like, hey, talk to me about your design process, I just panic. It's such an interesting question because like, do you actually expect it to be that different at different places? And I think that's the interesting piece of this is like there is a, you know, there are pretty standard design processes or development processes. And the one that comes to mind is like the double diamond where you're first figuring out what the problem is and you're exploring the problem space and then um, converging on a, you know, a clear clarified, you know, Hey, what is this thing we're going after? And then you get into the second part of the double diamond, the second diamond, which is, you know, Hey, let's go about finding a solution in the same way where you go big and then close in on something. And so that generally is, is the design process. So the thing that's interesting to me is like, why would that be different? And of course there's a lot of reasons why that might be different. It might be because, you know, maybe there's not a great design process established and people might be digging to find out like, Hey, am I going to, am I going to improve in my own process based on working here? Or am I actually going to get, you know, worse at it? Or am I going to have to like actually teach process here? Is this something that's established? Is there something else that I'm not doing or could learn? I suspect that's where those questions are coming from, but it's still really interesting to me because there, I mean, I, I haven't really seen anything mind blowing for process that's been positive. Yeah. And another place that this comes up too is like you're talking about when I'm interviewing. There's there's a lot of folks like when you're reviewing portfolios, they'll be like, here's a diagram of my process. And I'm like, cool. That's everyone's diagram of their process. 
Um, and so what does that do differently other than like, you know, this isn't my process. This is like, I'm just kind of laughing because I'm like, this is a shared process. Like this has been developed over time so that you can use it in a flexible way to get to results and outcomes. And I think that's the thing that really gets at process and in, in, in the differences of process and, and the uh, sort of diversity of process is that flexibility. Yeah. And I think that's something that we don't always recognize or talk about when we talk about your design process or what is the company's design process. It's like, hey, what's the standard? What's the ideal? And then when does it flex? Exactly. I want to just like echo what you said because <laughs> this is something I've definitely experienced myself. I'm kind of laughing at this as, my, as well. Uh, anytime that that question does come up for me personally, you know, Hey, talk me through your design process. I kind of laugh a little and say like, well, it's the same as yours. Probably like there is this grand design process at an abstract high level, which, you know, you, you converge, you kind of generate ideas and then you or sorry, you, you know, diverge, diverge converge, and then yeah. converge, yeah. uh, that double diamond kind of approach. Uh, so that's kind of what I giggle at. And then whenever that question is asked to me, but then I, I take it to exactly what you just described where I say, you know, it really depends. Like, uh, the design process is going to depend, and you and I have talked about this before, it's going to depend on where the project is at, uh, what the resources are available to you, what's the timeline for the work, uh, you know, what was the measured impact of the outcome, all these kind of things. So whenever we talk about design process, I think we're really talking about two separate things. One is that high level, like general design process. Do you have a sense for mm -hmm. double diamond or however else you want to talk about it, which is very universal, I think. Mm -hmm. But then there's like, the second part of the question, which is very nuanced, very specific, exactly like you just described, where what is the process like for you personally for the work you've done, right? Mm -hmm. So w when you are approached, or sorry, when you approach someone with this question as part of an interview or something, first of all, my first question to you is how do you word it? Like, do you even ask, like, what is your design process or you, do you dive into the work specifically? That's a good question. I think, I think there's, I don't know that I have a direct answer, but I think there's two things I'm trying to get at. It's like, Hey, how do you solve problems? Um, which is like the, what is your process piece? And then B, how do you talk about your process? Mm. So it's like for in an interviewing scenario, I'm like, Oh, would you be able to jump into our process and be able to solve problems in a similar way, um, without, um, causing conflict or creating obstacles that aren't there. So pretty fluidly, could you jump in? And then, you know, can you talk about that? So when you are in a hiring context, when you do join the team and you need to do things like, you know, do exploratory research or evaluative research, or you need to a little bit more time for iterations, um, how, how are you able to communicate and really advocate for the design process? And also how are you able to make trade-offs when you can't do those things? And so I'm, I'm sort of like trying to evaluate both how they're talking about process and then what they actually did. And those are two different skills. One is, you know, a lot of design skills put together. And so when I'm asking about process, it's generally not what is your process? Because then you get a lot of like, well, first I did this and then I did this and then I did this. I'll ask more pointed questions around like, hey, what was the problem you were trying to solve? Um, how did you approach that problem? Um, you know, what were interesting things that came up along the way and try and guide them through parts of the process so I can put that together myself. Otherwise, you tend to get a lot of answers just like, 
oh, you know, first I do, I start with research and then, you know, I, I get a list of questions that we want to solve and put together some themes and then we do a design sprint and then we explore them. Like there's all these sort of like cookie cutter things that people might talk about that actually don't give me as much insight into how they have in the past gone about implementing process. This goes directly back to a conversation we had on portfolios mm. where when someone shows a case study in a portfolio, what, what we don't want to see, whether we're hiring managers or uh, senior designers, we don't want to see this step-by-step step templated outline of your process right. because that doesn't, I mean, that tells us that you can do the basic bare minimum, right? Right. What we need to see is uh, the, the key takeaways from these things. What is the story you're trying to tell through that work? What is the experience that you went through to go from some problem to outcome? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something there too. It's like, you know, Hey, if you've just come out of design school and again, we know not everybody goes to design school, but des design school is a great example of where you learn process. Mm -hmm. If you come out of design school and you've sort of built up this, this toolkit, I call it a bag of tricks of like process tricks, um, that you can string together and form an end-to-end -end pro process, that might be all you can do and talk about until that gets comfortable with you. So I'm not saying like, you know, in the earlier stages of your career, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to use that cookie cutter process. Sometimes you have to practice that straight out to be able to get to the um, more curated process that, that comes to those really interesting stories. Um, it's more about, you know, Hey, how do you get comfortable with this over time so that then you can figure out which pieces to pull out, not only in the, how you work, but also how you communicate about it. This was going to be the question I was, I wanted to talk uh, about in depth next, which is how, if, if you're just starting out, whether you're transitioning from another industry or you're just graduating school, mm -hmm. how do you hone that ability to identify the key points of your process? Uh, and then the second part of that, I think, is also like, how do you learn which parts of the process don't need to be a part of whatever you're doing right now, right? Like there are, there are some cases where the research is already done for you. You have all the data and analytics, like you don't need that step, for example. But you know, a new designer coming into a project might say like, whoa, 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 like I need, need to be to involved in that process, yeah. right? So I think a, qu a good question for us to talk about is how do you develop those senses? How do you develop that ability? You mentioned like just doing the work and giving yourself time to go through the rigorous process, mm -hmm. but are there other tricks or, or tips we can give or discuss? Well, I'm thinking about, you know, first, what is the design process? There's some sort of problem definition and that can come from, you know, maybe you have a problem already that you're trying to solve. It could be a business problem. It could be a people problem. Maybe you don't, and you actually need to go out and find that. Um, even students who are sort of have the ability to choose what kinds of, you know, Hey, develop an app, but you get to choose the space. Mm -hmm. Like you still want to choose something that is an actual th problem that you could solve, you know, understanding how do we know that that is a problem, um, through, you know, that could be through research, maybe interviews or focus groups or something like that. How do you synthesize down to the themes of, Hey, what are actually the key parts of this problem? What are the objectives? How what are, are you going to measure whether or not it's successful? Yeah. How do we get into like, Hey, how does this problem actually interface with people's daily lives inside and outside of technology? Um, how are we breaking down those moments into interactions where technology could help solve that problem? How are you starting to break that down into, you know, hey, what are the prioritized components of what this thing would need to do to solve that problem? How do you then break those down into, you know, sketches, pieces of of the problem? And, you know, there you sort of like got a problem and you're figuring it out. You're doing some concept testing to figure out, you know, hey, are we headed in the right direction as you get to sketches and wireframes? Then you tend to go a little bit, you know, 
you go big in wireframes, sort of fine down to, hey, what's the sort of bare minimum skeleton of this thing? And then you layer on visual design and that's some more generation and evaluation and bringing it, you know, that diverging and converging to your final solution and then your testing. And so that like, you know, that's something that depending on the complexity of what you're doing, a to-do app might be a three screen project, um, something that's like business software might be, you know, infinite numbers of screens just to like get the idea of scale. Like those things could take anywhere from, you know, a couple of weeks to like a couple of years. And so when you're set with a constraint of time, which I think is the most realistic thing that we come across in our day-to-day lives, then the question is like, how do you decide what to remove? And so you're saying like, Hey, practice isn't like super clear. Um, you'll get better at it as you go. Isn't great, a great recommendation. And so like, what are the things that we could look at to say, Hey, do I pull out that like second version that I was going to create of wireframes? Do I actually pull out the concept testing? You know, do we scrap research altogether? Um, and sometimes you honestly have to, because it's a short term time frame and you don't have the resources or time to do that. Um, or, you know, do I, because we have a design system, do I not worry about generating? And I think, you know, the, the sort of general answer I'd give to that is like, Hey, results, are you getting the results that you need? And can you reflect, you know, even, even now to like, um, I guess, look back on projects that you've done before. Can you look back and say, Hey, which ones worked out well and which ones didn't. And that could be, um, results for your customers or your users. Maybe this thing wasn't successful. Well, Hey, go back to your process and figure out like what could have made it better. Or maybe it was just like, you know, things with a team that didn't go right. Hey, what made this harder? What points did we get stuck on? Um, and those are actually, you know, not coincidentally the moments in the process that actually start to help you craft a good story for your presentation, because those are the things that make it interesting because, when things go wrong, you tend to learn from them. And those are the things that you want to share while you're sharing your process in interviews and things like that. Right. So what I'm kind of hearing and the way I, I tend to think about this is you will often need to uh, utilize the design process on your design process. Well, right. Like you, you just need to start by analyzing the problem you're trying to solve, which is, well, what process should I use? You need to kind of do a little bit of research, talk to, talk to your partners and your peers, evaluate the resources, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm just laughing. Cause it's like almost everything we do in design and sometimes our lives are like, use a design process. What problem are you trying to solve? What's the right approach to solving this? Okay. Did it work? Evaluate. Right. Yeah. It is, it is pretty funny, but it's also true. Like so mm-hmm. much of what we do can be evaluated uh, in the context of not even evaluated, but utilize the design process. Uh, great. So, I mean, we kind of brushed over this, but I do think that it's worth calling attention to the fact that the real probably in my opinion, the best way to understand your design process and where you need to be flexible and what you need to utilize and how to, how to identify these key things uh, in any project to help you evaluate your design process is just to have a lot of experience doing it is really what I think. And I know it's kind of like a cop-out answer, but I think the best way you develop this, your, your kind of sense, your, your, your eye for these details in, in any kind of process is to just go through the process for many different types of projects. Yeah. And I think, I mean, yes. And, um, I think there's things that you can do along the way, even if you're not as familiar with it to like set yourself up to learn because you could do the, the same process and not pay attention to it over and over and not have that, um, sort of sense of self-awareness and evaluating. So are there moments that you can, as you're going through your process, 
set yourself up to say, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to know what was useful and what wasn't. And so, for example, I'm going to use the research example because I think that comes up a lot. And just, you know, to put that out there, like I'm a big fan of doing as much research as possible. The research process is always longer than non-researchers anticipate it to be. So when you think of doing, for example, um, evaluative research, and so that means you have um, a concept that you want to put out there. You actually have to recruit participants, which takes time. You have to write scripts so that you're looking at them in, in a way that's sort of open-ended and allows people to give answers. And then you have to you know, take time to conduct those interviews and take notes. And then you synthesize notes and draw themes. So something that might feel like a scheduled, you know, hey, four hours of conversations can actually be, th- <clears throat> excuse me, can actually be three weeks of process. And so... Sometimes you don't have three weeks. So is there a way that you actually can do, you know, lightweight concept testing or for earlier parts of research, more sort of like generative research? Are there other um, inputs that you can consolidate and triangulate like data and, you know, just our general experience and existing customer insights from maybe customer service reports? There's things that you need to go in there and say, hey, do we have what we need to move forward? If we do, then maybe we don't need to bog down the process by adding additional things. Do we have the time it takes to move forward well? And if, say, there's an example of like, hey, we don't have time to do concept testing. We don't have those three weeks because, you know, we only have a week of design capacity and then they've got to move on to another project. It's not an ideal world, like spoiler, it never is, you know, but you can always sort of note that point in the process and say, Hey, we didn't do this. If this project doesn't end up being successful, we can always commit to come back and to revisiting this phase again and trying for another result. And sometimes the, you know, the consequences of skipping steps aren't actually that high. Um, and so for example, if you do a lot of, you know, you, you want to put out six different directions to have, you know, a really generative approach, for your solution space and, you know, really work with a team to narrow down to four and then, you know, refine those and then go to two, like that would be ideal. Sometimes you can do a lot more, um, critical thinking with the team up front on, you know, maybe just four and actually just narrow it down to one and move forward. And so that's the sort of flexibility that we're talking about, but then also like say, Hey, here's a point in my process where like, I think this might've been something we can do better, but let's see how it works and then come back to it. And then you can also like look over your process. Like if you're continually cutting out research or if you're continually cutting out that generation, um, or even like maybe there's a point that's actually not in the double diamond, which is like, when do you get stakeholder buy-in? Like the thing that's not included in the design process is actually how this implements into a product development process. So are there things that you say, Hey, we actually never do this every time. And it runs us into problems every time. Like that's when you go back and, and switch up your process but you can't, you can't really know how, what, um, what points to zero in on unless you've done an evaluation along the way and consistently to really know where you could dig in later. Well said. This goes into what I, I think is a, a crucial thing that I've seen missed on many, many teams, which is just the, the traditional retrospective where yeah. after a project launches, Typically what you might see, especially in like these software companies is the team works really hard for a few weeks or a month or longer. They get the project done. And then the very next day they're like, okay, what's next? Like what does V2 look like for this project? When reality is they, they probably need to pause just for an hour, two hours or something, get together as a group and talk about, well, what worked well, what didn't work well, 
what part of the process did we overlook or miss or what strengthened our process and then document that for future reflection. I think that's one thing. Yeah. And I would add on that. And I'm curious about this because I've never seen retros that really dive into the design process specifically. It's more of like the overall process. And I think those are interesting because you tend to reflect on the things. There's, there's gotta be some like recency bias there where you're reflecting on the things that feel um, most evident at that time. And so you might get a lot of like collaboration team stuff that comes out of that. And retros are typically done after launch, which is before you've actually gotten the results of whatever you're launching. If it's an experiment or a full rollout, you know, those often take months to get the right kind of data to determine if they're successful. So it's, it's curious to me to think of that as an input to evaluate design process because I haven't seen that done in depth. You could always have it with your design peers. So that's like one, mm. one example as well. Depending on your team structure, this may or may not work for you. Uh, something that we're doing on my team right now is just uh, quarterly retrospectives of how we're working as a team. Are we sharing our processes? Are we talking about those problems that we're encountering? How do we work together? Uh, those kind of things. And that helps as well. But I do agree with what you're saying. Like the larger team retrospective where engineers and PMs and other stakeholders are involved that you should still do that. And you should try to put design into that retrospective as well as best as possible. But other things that might be very helpful are of course the, the design team retrospective. Mm. And then something that I think is starting to trend a little bit more uh, out in the open for designers. And I, I hope it does become more prominent in the industry is just the, the personal project design journal. Mm. Are you familiar with this concept? No. Okay. So I've actually never done this in, in my career until recently. Okay. But essentially it's just, it's just like a personal journal, like you would keep for your daily life, but it's project based for your work. Right. And this is really helpful because every day you just go in there and you log kind of, well, what did, what problems did you encounter? What did, what work did you do? What questions do you have? What are the, the goals, the milestones? And so I think that kind of daily journal paired with a project retrospective, paired with a design team retrospective, paired with some of these other things we're talking about, that can start to really unravel for you where your design process is working, where it's not working, where you as an individual need to look in order to strengthen certain parts of the design process, or you might help be able to identify gaps and things like that. Yeah. I, and those are, those are both really great points. And I, I have sort of thoughts on both of them. When you think of like the design team retro or, or, you know, I've done reflections with teams too, that feel like the same thing. It's like, Hey, what's working well, what, what could we improve upon? There is, um, you know, there, there's obviously something to having the luxury of working with other designers that not everybody has. Um, but there's a, that brings up the, um, another point that you had mentioned earlier on is like when you come into the process, sometimes you have multiple designers working on things. And so you're not doing this end to end yourself. And I, there's an example that I was thinking about, um, when I was at Facebook and we were working on the peer to peer payments experience, um, I was a team lead for that. And, we had a, a couple of designers who had come in with like visual design skills or UX skills. And so we had actually broken off different pieces of the process to let them own their area that they were really great at and sort of sequenced our involvement. Um, and then I was overseeing the end to end process across a number of platforms. And when we reflected what we sort of learned, um, and this was on an individual basis, but what we learned was that, you know, the designers had appetite to grow and get more experience in the end-to-end -end process. And so having them sort of isolated in their, um, you know, 
UX proficiencies or their UI proficiencies wasn't allowing them to get exposed to other parts of the process. So what we did then was we switched that up and we let, you know, one designer own web and one designer own Android and one designer own iOS. And that way they could get, you know, about the same scope of work, but across a different sort of areas of expertise, which, which leads into the personal piece. It's like, Hey, what are people trying to learn? What are these individuals trying to learn in their careers? And I think that goes back to the individual reflection, like, Hey, what was I doing last week? What, what came across that was working well? What, what would I want to push a little bit more? And that actually comes down to skills. And that ties back to the interviewing thing really closely too, because, you know, Hey, when you're interviewing and you're talking about process, you know, the, the, the talking about it piece is a communication skill and Mm -hmm. communicating about design is really important. But then there's also, you know, in your process, you're going to demonstrate other skills, which is like, you know, collaboration and your interaction design skills and your visual design skills. And so being able to individually step aside and make those evaluations yourself about your skills and then be able to really push yourselves into opportunities where you're not having that like same high level of skills seems really valuable. And then trying to configure that into, Hey, what is the process needed to solve this solution? Yeah. I think something you're highlighting here, or maybe, maybe it's an undertone actually is another good way to better articulate your process or get insights into your own process that maybe you aren't seeing. It's just to talk to someone else about it. So this is an interesting take that I'm not sure many people do, but find some time to go sit down with a peer designer or not and ask them, say, what are you observing me doing? What, if you had to describe my process to me, what would you say? And I think this is valuable on many different fronts. Uh, Obviously, you know, this is someone else's perception. It may not be reality. They might not be exposed to everything, but you can learn a little bit about like, well, what are you communicating outward as you're going through this process? How transparent is your process? And the kind of things that other people might hone in on or highlight for you can help tell you a lot about what you're exposing and what your process looks like. And are you pulling in stakeholders? Like if you went and asked your researcher, if you have a researcher uh, about your design process, will they say, you know, well, we feel like a good collaborative uh, team that we're including one another, that we utilize research really well, that you take highlights from research or you know when we might not need it as much or you rely on past research and all these kind of things, right? Yeah, I'm, I think that probably the best test of this is to go to your engineering partners and ask that because that's that tends to be where you hear the most feedback on, hey, my engineers just don't understand the design process. And it usually is because you've taken a piece of the process and pulled it away and done it sort of in isolation and then come back. Um, but that when you, when you pull something away, like, Hey, I need to go figure out the next three directions rather than saying, Hey, you guys, like, let's, let's sketch out what are the first three directions we all feel really good about. And then I'm going to go back and, and, and explore constraints and opportunities and then come back and, and we'll evaluate them together. Um, so that's, that's an, a test of both your, your values in the process and your communication of that too. I really like that. Yeah, totally. So it's, it's no easy thing. Uh, but I think, that it's it is worth noting again i mean i think this is really the takeaway for me personally about this conversation is the design process is going to vary from project to project and team to team right right and if you are approaching any project or team or maybe you know you just got a first job and you're expecting there to be this 
crystallized, perfect design process, you're probably going to hurt yourself more than you're going to help yourself, right? Hurt yourself in what way? Just by being frustrated and Yeah, by being frustrated, by feeling that you are locked into a process that for some reason no one else is sharing, right? And this might be a thing that I think many designers may actually encounter without realizing it, where they go into a project, they're really excited to be on the team and to kick something off. And then right away, they feel frustration. Oh, these people don't get it. We need to do research. Oh, mm-hmm. My teammates don't understand that I have to go wireframe these things out before I give them this nice sketch. You know, all these frustrating things that the team might either for historical reasons or maybe it's ignorance or something else, they might not align on that process. So something we haven't talked about here that we, we might want to talk about is as a designer joining a new team, or even if you're kicking off a new project, it might be worth sitting down with your cross-functional peers and talking about what that process might look like for you and how how you might want to like bring them in. Yeah, that makes me think of like, hey, what is the actual, the better interview question rather than like, what's your design process? Because it's rare that you'll get something that's not ideal and not similar to some of the standards that are out there. But maybe the question is, you know, hey, how does the design process here integrate into a development process. Yeah. Can you elaborate or give an example of that? Yeah. Cause I think, I think the, I mean, when you start as a designer at a company, maybe, you know, maybe you're the first designer and there is no process and that'll be your job to say, Hey, like maybe there's already engineers and we've already been building something. Maybe that will be your job to figure out, Hey, where does problem definition fit into this existing pro- process? Where does research fit in? Where does evaluation fit in? Um, where does, you know, directional generation fit in? How am I actually going to take this ideal thing that I know how to do and integrate it into what's already happening? Or if you're joining a company that has a more established process and you have one, um, you have to figure out if, you know, are you going to bring something to the table? And maybe that's like something you believe that you can do like, Hey, I've got a really great process. I think I can help this company. Um, or you just want to know like, Hey, how things work. I think that's like, Hey, how do we get from how we choose what we work on all the way through to shipping it and understanding whether it works. And within that, how does design fit in? Because here's, I think where, where you'll find what things end up getting edited out or, you know, just sort of like abbreviated or what things are maybe a little bit too bloated and causing problems. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. That's really, really well said. So I would like to share mine, but I I want to start with you first. Like, obviously, you know, you're a leader now, but you, you kind of worked your way up the ladder by doing a lot of really great quality work with your teammates. Can you tell us a little bit about how you developed your own design process and that collaboration and that, that analyst analysis of the process? Like you graduated school. Did you find yourself utilizing the process you learned in school your whole career? Did you evolve it? How did you learn to evolve it? How did you learn to be fluid in your process? I think what I came out with was probably more principles of process rather than process. And noting that I have a graphic design background, which isn't one-to-one for product design. There are things that though that relate. And when I think of um, the things that I learned, it's like, yeah, I was able to zero in on a problem and why it was a problem. Um, And then the generation evaluation piece with a high focus on quality were things I learned. However, I had never worked with engineers before. I had never worked with PMs. Um, I had never worked on a timeline other than like a 15 week, you know, school cycle. And so there were so many variables and relationships that I hadn't considered yet. Um, so for me, I ended up working in, in a couple different roles and then had to put them together. So I was a helped with, um, graphic design and print, which, you know, contributes something, but not everything 
worked as a UX designer when I learned sort of the middle space. We would have strategists who would figure out what problem we were solving. And then I would, um, you know, I learned how to do journey maps and wireframes and all that good stuff. And then I ended up at the same, in the same role, being able to layer on my visual design chops, which then I turned into UI design. So it's probably until I got, it wasn't until I got to Facebook that I really was able to sort of see that really great end to end design uh, process and practice. But because I was still so new to that role, I just ended up asking a lot of questions (laughs) and figuring out the things beforehand rather than saying I'm going to do my process and saying things like well I'm going to need eight weeks to do this I'd say how much time do we have and so if we were working on you know just a a a visual pass at a modal you know that's not something that I would need an eight-week process to do that's something I would say hey we've actually defined the problem check you know we we I don't need to do wireframes because I can wireframe and do visual design at the same time I'm actually only going to take a week to do this so I think for me it was like a lot of backwards planning towards what the goals were and then sort of spot checking and saying hey does this fit into what I need to do um never really approached anything from an idealistic sense because I don't know why I didn't try. Maybe I just didn't have sort of the the guts yet to stand up for what I thought was ideal. Um, But I also didn't really see the value of, you know, over bloating process when you could ship something quickly and learn. So I think, I think there's just sort of a values piece there too, that I was more interested in, in, in getting things out there and, and learning than I was about like sort of implementing the dogma that I had already learned. I really like that. There was a few takeaways from that that I I really, really, really liked. Uh, One being how you kind of leveraged your, you know, your strategist, for example, and you would go to them and kind of work with them to better understand how their role plays a part into the larger process and then adapting your process depending on that, right? I think that's that's such a good takeaway where if you really want to hone your design process on any team, just go talk to the other teammates about what they're doing and what, what part of kind of the design process, even that they're lending their work to. Yeah. And that's good collaboration in this sense. It was more of an agency environment. So it was bound by time. And there was like, you know, when when a client would pay for a phase, you'd have this many weeks to deliver on this phase. And so maybe that's where my sort of values of time, time bounding, time binding, whatever, keeping things within a time frame came across because agencies, there's so much rigor around that and there's not a lot of flexibility there. Yeah. And another thing that you, you kind of touched on, but I think comes up very often when we talk about the design process is should I sketch, should I wireframe or is it okay to just go right to pixels? Right. Oh gosh. Yeah. I have a, I remember, um, I remember a junior designer at Facebook who was, you know, very bright, but still just sort of learning had this comment once that was like, well, we don't wireframe here. Why do we skip over this phase? And my response was, you know, we're not skipping over that phase. We're doing it in high fidelity. And I think those are things that you have to be very careful about because, you know, we, when I joined Facebook, we had basically only unicorn designers that were working there. They were truly the best of the best. And so what you'd see them do is move so fastly fast that they were able to use the, you know, high fidelity components that we had developed and work at the same, you know, phase of the process that would normally be low fidelity wireframes and be able to then shortcut some time in the final polish. And, but what, you know, new, newer and more junior designers would see was 
you know, there was, there was never low fidelity. So where were those wireframes? And it, it takes a little bit to understand that process because there are, there are consequences when you work in a high fidelity stage in the middle of your process, because you get attached to things, people around you get attached to things. And, and, you know, now I see more and more people sort of dumbing down that high fidelity phase in order to say like, Hey, we're just going to look at this in grayscale because it's, it's a decision-making phase. It's not about, we don't want to zero in on the, you know, the corner radius or the colors right now, um, or type hierarchy. It's more about, you know, placement and how people move through these flows. And so that was something that was really interesting to me though, is like the perception of the phase um, is sort of saved by that communication and how you talk through it. Um, yeah. So small learning there. I think it can be dangerous too. Um, when, when designers feel like they have to, again, apply a fixed process to the project, because what will often happen and Julie Zhu, uh, VP of Facebook design writes about this in her new book, uh, where, designers would be assigned like, you know, the process is rigor, but the process is wireframes. And so what designers would actually end up doing is go work on their designs like usual and then backtrack and make up wireframes or pretend that they had had done other explorations when they were just trying to do that for for lip service, right? Yeah, I've done that before too. I mean, and part of it is, is like, it goes back to that interviewing piece and it's like, oh, you want to create this whole case study and then you, you actually are missing that piece. So you're like, Oh, like I should have done this. And the reality is like, did you need to, I think something, um, something we do at intercom that I love is we have, we have an excellent process, um, that we call phases and stages and it's a development process. It's not just a design process. Um, but within these different phases, you know, the first is problem definition and and deciding on a direction. And then we go through all the way through, you know, shipping and then learning outcomes and then deciding what to do next. Um, but in that first phase, we really actually decide on the direction that we're going to pursue first. And we do that collaboratively as a team. And what that does is it does shortcut a lot of sort of the, 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 the generation of how we could solve this problem and leaving that in just the designer's court to come back and get feedback and come back and get feedback and come back and get feedback and then sometimes go back to the drawing board. And so having confidence in that first direction actually saves us time. Mm. Um, and I think that having confidence in, you know, this, what you're talking about too is like, so we didn't do wireframes, but we're still confident that we took the direction that we needed to and that's okay. But if it's all about like having the cookie cutter to show it, that's actually just a communication thing. Like, how are you actually saying that you went through that part of the process? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a deliverable to prove that. Exactly. And I think there are a few things that lend themselves to what you're describing, kind of the process it sounds like you have uh, on your team. Things like design systems. Like if you have a really solid design system, you're the amount of rigor you put into the pixel stage is probably going to be a little less than you'd see elsewhere, right? Because you already have those visual things solved. Maybe you have some of those interaction things solved. You have consistent patterns that are hopefully uh, tried and true that you can leverage. So then the process in that example might be to focus a lot more on the problem itself and the research stage and the implementation stage mm-hmm. um, in, in my own process. So I, I learned my design process, I think primarily through trial, trial and error mm-hmm. and through just a lot of various types of work. And then kind of like you mentioned in a little bit is uh, by talking to others and just working with really talented people across different functions. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I learned my process. And something that I 
I feel kind of bad about, honestly, when I ever, whenever I talk about process as it relates to any of my projects is I just, I don't doodle all that much. I don't do a lot of sketching. I don't think I ever have. I'm trying to do it more and more these days. Uh, you know, I've, I've got some nice apps that help me with this, but more often than not, I find I don't need to do sketches because I already understand these paradigms. I already understand kind of what these platforms enable to you to do, what the convention is and what our technology allows us to do. And so sometimes I will skip that stuff, but I don't think that's true for every process. I don't think everyone should do that. Like it really depends. Well, and you're fairly senior in your career. So, you know, you have a, a, just a bucket of knowledge behind you that is, is things like, Hey, what are common patterns that are used? How do people normally get through these flows? And so if you are, for example, thinking of like, Hey, I want somebody to be able to go through a sign up flow. Like you're not going to need to sketch to figure that out because you know, the, the three like tried and true ways to do this. You know, one might be just like having a screen. One might be progressive disclosure. One might be something else. Cool. Great done. Like these are the things that you sort of go over time and time again. And the more you've interacted with products and the more you've done this sort of like thing, you'll be able to just pull that out and be like, cool, that's easy. Let's just put the polish on it. We're good to go. Um, and I think that's harder when you're more junior in your career. Cause you're also going like, Hey, should I be making this creative and different? And, and often the answer is no, like people, users, people who are users are find it much easier to do the same habits over and over again. Um, muscle memory, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and like, you know, when I do sketch these days, cause I do sketch sometimes, but what I find myself doing is sketching, uh, variants of potential interactions. And what I find by doing that, you know, whether it's five, 10 minutes of an exercise is that even though I know, you know, maybe a drop down the right solution for this, maybe it's a, a dialogue, something else. When I sketch it out very quickly and kind of visualize in that way, I get a, a better sense for why something might work versus not. And that's just something right. that it saves myself time. Right. And it kind of hammers in the the finer points of, you know, the, those design decisions. That makes sense. So, yeah, uh, you know, design process, it's, it's going to be very flexible depending on what you're trying to do, what the team already has done, what team you're part of, what resources you have, you have available. Like you mentioned, it really is going to be, it needs to be flexible depending on time factors, Mm -hmm. uh, both your time, the team's time, the, the time towards an objective. Um, and the more designers can realize that realize that their process needs to have some high level abstract, like ideal flow, but the reality is it's going to be flexible and fluid, mm-hmm. the, the better they're, they're going to be able to make an impact. Yeah. I bet we could probably like maybe talk about how to talk about your process a little bit more in another episode. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, a whole other episode uh, that we'll follow up on is how do you articulate your process? Because it's, it's a, it's, yeah, let's get into those thing. case studies and figure out why they're interesting, but not for today, not for today. All right. Well, until next time then. See you later.